Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's episode is about transforming your relationships and health by unplugging one day a week. On today's show, we'll be featuring our guest, Tiffany Schlein. She's an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, founder of the Webby Awards, and author of the national best-selling book, 24-6, Giving Up Screens One Day a Week to Get More Time, Creativity, and Connection, which we will talk about today on the show. And she's also the winner of the Marshall McLuhan Outstanding Book Award. She lectures and performs worldwide on the relationship between technology and humanity. And honestly, there's so much more I can say about this remarkable woman who sits in between a number of worlds. She's received over 80 awards and distinctions for her films and work. And so you can find more information on her work at tiffanyschlein.com, which we will include in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. So Tiffany, to kick it off, can you tell us what is 24-6? What does it mean? Uh, For the last 11 years, my family and I, and so my family includes... My husband, who's a professor of robotics at UC Berkeley, and then our daughters, who are almost 18 and almost 12, and we turn off all screens from Friday night to Saturday nights for what we call our tech Shabbats. So 24-6 is, it's it's a way of life instead of living 24-7, and instead of being available to the whole world and every screen and everything all the time, it's carving out one day of rest one day of presence and one day that you're living in a different mode. And it's literally been the best thing I've ever done in my life. How did you come up with 24 six? Like what was the kind of evolution of this philosophy? Well, I was, I love technology. I'm not anti-tech in any way. I think I'm just pro humanity. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and I was, you know, founded the Webby Awards, was always the early adopter in everything and the first one to use any new tool. And I think also when my husband and I were like the first people to get super addicted early on because we got the iPhone early and I just, I felt like it was changing my brain. And I know a lot about the brain. My father was a surgeon who operated and wrote many books about the brain and my mom's a psychologist and I've made many films on neuroscience. And I literally felt like the screens and this way of life was changing my brain. And um, I had this very dramatic series of events where my father died of brain cancer and my husband's and my daughter was born. And it was just like one of those moments where you just feel like life is grabbing you by the shoulders and saying, focus on what matters. Do you like the way you're living? You could die at any moment. And I you know, I just knew I wanted to change it. And and we are Jewish, although we are not religious. And the concept of the Sabbath or Shabbat is a 3000 year old idea of a day of rest. It's the fourth commandment in the, in the, you know, of the 10 commandments. And mostly the only people I ever knew that really did a full day of rest, a full day, um, were religious and observant people. And, and I have great respect for that, but that just wasn't me. So, um, we decided to start really doing a strict, our version of a strict, <laughs> strict Shabbat. This is our modern version, which was no screens from Friday night to Saturday night. And it's it's literally almost our 11-year anniversary of doing it. I think we did it, yeah, February 5th, 11 years ago. And um, we didn't know we were going to keep doing it. We just thought, let's just try this. Let's, let's try to do this practice. 
and the first day we did it, it was just such a oasis of calm and presence. It felt like exactly what my mind and soul needed on every level. And, um, we kept doing it and the benefits just multiplied. And, uh, you know, as a filmmaker, all my best ideas always come on Saturday with no screens and I'm the happiest on Saturdays. I sleep the best. <laughs> I feel the most connected. I feel more productive afterwards. There's like so many benefits that I, you know, we were doing it one year, two year, three year, four year. And then it just felt like everywhere you walked, people were staring at their screens. So the longer we did it, the more addicted everyone became. Wow. And then I eventually figured I, I have to write a book about this. It's like this free ancient idea that's, I think, one of the most profound ideas that's ever existed. Um, and then I did a really deep dive on the history of a day of rest and different philosophies on time on and time off. And it's just so interesting because it is a strategy to live and it's a time management system and it's a real soul I feel like I get my, I return to myself every week after kind of giving myself and being available to so many people and so much news and so many alerts and this push and pull of this network, which is so addictive and, and incredible a lot of the time too, but also soul sucking and stressful and with moments of beauty. But I just feel like I step off of that and detach from this I think of it as like the amygdala network because it's all operating on dopamine. <laughs> and I return to the version that I kind of prefer of myself that's more present and grateful and appreciating what I have instead of what I don't have. And I just go into this complete different mode. And you could say, well, why don't you do that seven days a week then? But it feels like one day a week, like there, that's the brilliance of this idea is you can live in this modern society, which of course we all need to work and exist in, especially during a pandemic, but there's a way to step away in this very deep, profound way that gives perspective and insight and kind of a piece back that I think a lot of people don't have right now. Right. And I know I didn't have it until I did it, this practice. Right. And uh, I love that you're so ahead of the curve by instilling this practice, especially as people have become more and more addicted over time. And there's more apps. I mean, it's interesting because when the iPhone first came out, uh, I think a lot of people can't even remember this, but there are only like a, a few apps, right? We only had a couple apps and now there's hundreds and hundreds of apps and it feels very overwhelming to even just turn on uh, the phone. Um, so that's interesting. So can you tell us what you mean by, you know, unplugging from technology from a tiering perspective. So are you saying like, not just phone, but also you're, you're unplugging from watching any movies, you're unplugging from anything, yeah. anything tech. Okay. Got it. So it's, well, I mean, we're not like we cook, we're, we're not, I mean, it's interesting. Technology is such a big, I mean, the light switch is technology. Right. And actually it's interesting if you're really religious, they count that. I don't, um, <laughs> we really call the screens our, but we don't watch movies. We don't, you know, we always have a really wonderful meal on Friday nights with friend, family and friends. And during the pandemic, we've just been outside doing it. Um, but Friday night's very social. We set the table in a special way. We have great people over at a distance, but it's usually the best conversations from the week, the best food, the best laughter, just it's wonderful. So that's very social Friday night. Um, and then Saturday is a much more inward day. I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of thinking. We usually go on a walk in nature. We cook, we listen to music, we read. 
My daughters sometimes read on a Kindle, but not always. But if they're reading something that's on it, we don't bar the Kindle because it's not like a a portal to a crazy world. Um, (laughs) So our boundary is just no kind of, uh, we're not letting the outside world in for a day and we're creating like a palace in time around us. And the day feels very different. We're just like living in an analog way. And it's actually kind of fun to figure out (laughs) what gives you pleasure. I mean, there's so many things that give us pleasure. They give anyone pleasure, but they get so interrupted. You know, they're reading a book and then I'm like this the other six days and that something in the book will make me think of something on the phone. Oh, I have to do that or that. And then I'm on the phone and then I'm off the book. And what mm-hmm. happened? I was in a great narrative reading experience. Um, that happens with shows. Um, that happens when I'm playing my ukulele. That happens when I'm doing anything. I'm doing something. And then that phone is so addictive and alluring or buzzes or beeps or, I mean, but actually I, I talk about all these other strategies. I do the other six days to keep me more, focused. Um, because you know, the other, I would say it's just much easier on the tech Shabbat to just be like, Oh yeah, I'm not using that today. And you know, my friends and family know that we have a landline if they really need to reach us, but that hardly is ever used. And it's a day, you know, I think we're so plugged in and we're connecting to so many people and so many things. And I'm sure you've explored this on the podcast too. Every great wisdom practice talks about time for stillness. And I heard this great Rumi quote that I just love. I had never heard of it before. And I love Rumi, which was, um, and I'm not getting this exactly right, but it was something like make frequent appointments to check in with yourself. And I feel like that's what Saturdays are about. I just, I can hear myself think I, still the noise, um, quiet the noise. And, and I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is the whole internet. And certainly this was not in the early days of the Webby awards and it was not the original intention of the internet, but the business models are such that they want to keep you glued to it, glued to the screens, glued to the streams all the time. And the, the way they do that is they leave you wanting more, more stressful news headlines, more emails, more notifications, more things to buy that are popping up on your screen or on your social. And you're always in a constant state of wanting something or wanting more of something. And every Friday when I turn off my screens at 6.30 p.m., which I race towards on Friday, I'm so happy every Friday to do it, I switch from a state of wanting to a state of being and being so grateful for what's right in front of me. And it, it's such a, it's such a quick switch, like... Instead of wanting all these things on the internet, I turn it off and I'm like, oh, look at my husband and my kids and my home and the food in front of me. And I just suddenly, like my eyes open up. Mm, That's beautiful. And Tiffany, so I have adopted this practice since uh, reading your book and it has also been game changing for me. Yeah. (laughs) And how long have you been doing it for? I I would say I'm not doing it consistently, but I'm doing it for at least three times uh, a month. So maybe there's one weekend that I don't do it, but it's, you know, it's a very, I have a very visceral reaction when I completely unplug for me too. I mean, I've always just done really well in those environments, especially places like Burning Man. I mean, I feel like my, my highest self just like comes right through. Um, but I have that's fa- a great way to put it, actually. You know, it's interesting because I, well, I think if what you look at what Burning Man created was a 
it's like a different way to exist where there's no money and there it's a giving culture and very creative and people are inspired to create and you, and that is the beauty of what Burning Man is. And this is like carving out this very unique, beautiful day, one day every week in your own home or in nature that feels different and feels really generous and beautiful and creative. But that's a great, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of, um, the first time in my life where I felt truly, you know, unplugged, (laughs) um, from, Mm -hmm. from kind of everything. But I've noticed that for me, reintegration, even, even, you know, taking one day off, um, has been so nourishing. Sometimes I do it actually two days, but I noticed Mm. that when I get back into the work week, um, I can spiral down really fast because oh, my, totally. right, my, my, my nervous system has just taken such a breather. And then I forget, you know, that the rest of the world is just like sprinting to where, I don't know, but we are sprinting. Um, mm-hmm. and there's like an obsession with doing and, uh, you know, consuming, doing, pr- being productive. So I just find that that piece for me has been really difficult. I mean, even this weekend is a perfect mm-hmm. example. I was, uh, at Rodeo beach and, um, coming back into my work week this morning, I just felt incredibly overwhelmed. So I'm wondering like, are, do you have any practices for reintegration after being away from technology for one day? That's a great question. I mean, well, I was going to say that a lot of times on Saturday night, I just as much as I can't wait to turn it off Friday night, Saturday, I'm like, what happened? What What's <laughs> happening in the world? But sometimes I want to keep it at bay longer. I like do a quick check and then I won't look. And sometimes I just wait till Sunday. But I think it's a really good point. I mean, sometimes I've been so I mean, the equivalent I would use is like when you go to a retreat or you're in such a soft, supple place and then the whole world comes at you again. And I know I felt that a lot. Oh, sorry, my dog. Let me open the door. I know I felt that a lot during the election when there was so much, um, so much stressful news all the time um, and the pandemic. Um, But let me see, I guess, you know, I do a lot of writing on Saturday, so... Um, I have a lot of, I come up with a lot of my best like ideas or insights or things. And I usually write them first thing Saturday morning. So I guess a practice I would say that would probably make a smoother transition is to like enter those things that you've written by hand. Cause you don't have your screen into whatever format you organize your life into. And it will keep you grounded and steady from insights you just learned. Like I'm a big journaler, so mm. Uh, I have so many, I usually have like a sheet of things I've written on Saturday, like an idea for a film or some insight about work or something I need to focus on. And so I usually do it on Sunday morning. I try to enter them into my, I use Asana. That's my productivity <laughs> tool I use, but whatever it is, maybe that like will remind you what the insights you gain for, to bring into the next week. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess I'm, I just made this short film that we released on January 1, 2021, which was about how do we bring the lessons we learned from 2020, from the pandemic into 2021? Because I think, you know, a lot of lessons were learned. And I, the thing I'm most fearful of is that we'll just forget everything and go back Mm. to the way we were living and, and all these really key valuable lessons that were 
painfully learned and sometimes beautifully learned during the pandemic that we will just go back to this other way of life. So I think by making that movie, um, and I've watched it a whole bunch of times because I keep showing it at the end of my talks, I will like want to seal them into my brain. So using that analogy, if every Saturday you wrote some key things that you felt like you learned or insights or things you want to focus on in the week ahead, and then you wrote them into your schedule, that might be a nicer um, transition, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So in your book, you talk about eye contact as an important part of connection. I really love that piece because um, in my family, eye connection is incredibly important. We always prefer video over uh, text messaging or even just calling. But can you tell us why? Um, you know, What have you seen in your research and, and why do you feel that eye contact is so important? I know you make a, um, a comment about babies not not getting enough FaceTime with their moms, for example. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it literally is the way that we have, um, evolved and adapted and survived as a species is eye contact, like literally makes the synapses form, um, from a mother and a child or a caregiver. And so you think about, I mean, I feel so grateful that I was breastfeeding, um, before I was super addicted to the iPhone because I did make a lot of eye contact with my daughters and I know it's tempting to not do that anymore. Mm. Like, and that's, you know, and I, I, I cite in the book, this friend of mine who, who runs this mommy and me class, one hour class a week before the pandemic when people would come in person, but she like couldn't get the parents to put their phone away for this one hour mommy and me class. And she was just horrified. She's like, you just paid for a one hour bonding time with your child one day a week and you can't even put your phone away. So I guess, um, you know, and I'm not saying like the other six days of the week, I'm a working mother. I'm working. I'm trying to manage the household. I'm trying to be a good mom at the same time. You're juggling a lot of things and that's very real. But the more I find that I understand the science of what eye contact does or how do you build empathy or um, what are the benefits of gratitude and presence, the more I want to do them. So in the book, um, 24-6, I have a lot of science in there because I'm super interested in the science, but also because I think sometimes it speaks to people more on why you should do something. Like a lot of people will read my book and be like, I want to do this, but my partner would never do that. And sometimes that's the husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever. And I'm usually like, well, hand on the book because – one of you is going to respond more to the science and one's going to respond more to the emotional. <laughs> and then there's those people that respond to both, but that, um, you know, so eye contact is just a critical part of connecting. And that's why I think this year has been, um, unusual and hard for a number of reasons, but even zoom, which has been, thank God we had it, but you can't even really make eye contact on your computer because the camera's in a different spot than the screen. And I can't wait till the person invents something to merge those. So it feels like you're really making eye contact. Because right now everyone's kind of not making eye contact. And it's so maddening. Like that's another example of like, I love hate technology. Like I feel like after a day of Zooms, the reason why it feels kind of soul sucking is because you're not really making eye contact. You're kind of making eye contact. Mm, yeah. I've seen some like beta technologies on this, but uh, I'm not 
entirely sure if anything has gone to market, <laughs> but I completely agree. Yeah. You also talk about this idea of transition time in your book. And, you know, I think someone made this joke that uh, every time we get off a Zoom call and just, you know, go into another Zoom call or maybe even just a, a moment of pause, we we sort of feel like we've just unplugged from like a time machine. You know, we've been transported to another place. And we're like, wait a second, what? Where? What just happened? Where? Mm-hmm. You know, there's like no I winding. I love that. I hadn't heard that, but that's so <laughs> great. Yeah, it's like you – normally – I mean, not when I was at my film studio and we scheduled like a lot of meetings in a row, but that transition time when you would travel to a meeting or travel to a place. And I just find like there's so much transition time is gone that, and it was valuable that you processed and digested what you just had and prepared for your next meeting. And actually that is what a lot of what Tech Shabbat's about is the problem is we're never digesting or processing anything because we're online all the time. We're just like new, new input, new input, new input. <laughs> and I find that my Friday to Saturday night is like, okay, let me just process this very big intense week I just had and sort it all out and think it through and unpack it and look at it on the page and think about it and get recharged and re-inspired for the next week. But when you don't do that, and I'm sure you felt that way when you didn't get to do a tech Shabbat, because I, you know, there's always a handful of time a year during the year, actually, it hasn't been during the pandemic, but I used to travel a lot speaking. And so I was like five or six times a year, I couldn't do tech Shabbat. And I would feel like, whoa, I didn't get to process <laughs> what's happening. I didn't get my time to sort it all out. And I feel like I, I can't think properly. Um, that's kind of like what it felt like. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of like you're a sponge soaking up all this information and you need a day to wring it all out. Um, so I. Yes. Yes, yes. I love that. And I'm wondering how the practice of 24-6 has played out during quarantine. I mean, you mentioned that you're now doing your Friday dinners outside. Um, But just in general, has it been harder or easier? And by the way, I love that everyone keeps referring to this year, because even though the pandemic started last year, um, someone once told me, 2020 isn't over, even though it's 2021, we'll tell you, the world will tell you when 2020 is over. But as, as far as we know, it's actually still happening. <laughs> still 2020. <laughs> yeah, it is still 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, there's been so many benefits to this year. I think it forced everyone to just like stop and reevaluate and reset everything. I mean, there's more people in my life who moved to a completely different location, their income changed, they had to rethink things. And those are good things to shake you out of maybe were you living the life you wanted to live. I mean, there's a lot of instances where it's been incredibly hard and I'm not discounting that. But I think it was like that moment that I told you when my father died and my daughter was born within days and life was kind of grabbing me by the shoulders and saying, what, what matters to you? How do you want to live? Mm. I feel like that just happened to the whole world. What matters? Your health, a roof over your head, a meaningful job. You know, it's it gets real simple. And then how do you reconfigure your life so you're more aligned with what matters? So I feel like not, you know, I know it's been incredibly hard for so many people, but the opportunity is that everyone was forced to question everything and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Wow. Tiffany, I wanted to ask you um, what inspired you from, 
your relationship with your father to create this book and to pursue this work. You mentioned that he was a a neurosurgeon, if I'm correct. Um, well, he, he was actually a general surgeon, but back okay. when he studied, you also did brain surgery and you delivered baby. Like you, there used to be general surgeons that did everything and then it got really specialized. So oh, yes. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Okay. So he was, he was an everything surgeon. <laughs> um, yeah. He that. was an everything surgeon. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, it seems like from the conversations I've uh, listened to, um, with you in it and also from the book, it seemed like your relationship with your father really, um, catalyzed a lot in your life. And so I'm wondering if you could share, you know, what that relationship was like and how it may have impacted your desire to, to create this book and to, to, cause it seems like there's a lot of, um, similarities between like the maybe philosophy that he had and, and, and how it may have transformed the way you thought about the world. Yeah, he was incredibly special and we were best friends. I mean, there's just no two bones. I remember I have only done this like twice in my life and I'm about to do it again because somebody interviewed me and offered to give me a reading, but like, and I'm not even normally into something like that, but I was 18 years old and someone got me a gift of a reading and the thing she said that I'll never forget. She's like, you and your dad were best friends in a past life. And I am not even one of those people that ever mentions the past life thing, but it's so completely articulated my relationship with my dad. We were best friends. I mean, and I can totally see us hanging out in, uh, you know, as like the same age, which I love, like for my younger daughter, I was talking to her last night. I'm like, if we were both the same age, we would totally be best friends. And it's a wonderful <laughs> thought exercise because he and I were so into the same. I mean, I think he was uncategorized. You couldn't categorize him because he was a surgeon. <laughs> then he started writing about art and physics and he, he did all, then he became like a nationally selling author. But when he turned 50 and I started, I wrote this book when I turned 50 and I, you know, he had one career and then turned into another career and I could see that trajectory. Although I still love making movies, but, um, I get a lot of pleasure out of writing, but he, he was interested in a lot of different things and he was incredibly curious and, um, and he was very present and he was very loved by his mother. So he was very confident in his sense of loving and being generous and, Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and my mother, who's alive today, they really complimented each other. He he demanded a lot from us, like academically and in the world. And my mother was like very, you know, unconditional love. And um, I think that was a beautiful combination because had both my parents been as demanding as my father would have been really hard. But um, yeah, and he's been he's been gone now for it's almost 12 years and I have to say that I got 40 years of an amazing relationship with him and I feel like he's with me all the time. Like I don't pine. I mean, there are moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, like my daughter just got into college. I wish I could tell him and he'd be so proud. But I, but other than those like handful of moments, I feel like very comfortable with his presence and, and he's like, I'm living you know, he's part of me and, um, he's very with me right now, even mm -hmm. though he's not physically with me. That's beautiful. 
Thank you, Tiffany. Was your father still alive? Yeah, my father's still alive. And um, I'd mentioned, uh, I guess, for the audience before we started the show, I, I said, uh, I love your relationship with your father because it feels very similar to mine. My father's also a physician. And... I could tell that you said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was <laughs> well, very, very yeah, demanding as well. Very demanding. Um, you know, mm. and I had a similar, you know, experience with my mom also. You know, so it's interesting to have that balance um, and to kind of live in two different brains almost, like to have a right brain, left brain uh, philosophy in life. But yeah, that really touched and then And then it's interesting on like how, like now I am a mother of an 18, almost 18 and a 12 year old. And I really, it's interesting because I, I wouldn't use the word demand of them, but I hope to inspire them to really be, think really big and to do great things for the world. But it comes from a different, very different place. I was like, wow, I'm not as, um, I mean, just interesting when you become a parent yourself, which I know you're not yet, but like, which role are you going to play? And maybe you're a little bit of both. And it's a fascinating turn of events to, um, I mean, my older daughter happens to be incredibly disciplined, so it's not like I had to rein her in in any way. Um, but it's just the whole thing is infinitely fascinating. And that, that is what I will say that my dad and I were, very, we find everything very fascinating. Like things, life is very interesting. And this pandemic was very interesting. And, uh, <laughs> what's happening in our country is very interesting. And what's happening with the internet and how it's changing us is very interesting. And yet it's interesting. And there's a lot of pull in a not great, interesting way. And you have the power to change that. And it takes courage, which I love that you've been doing a tech Shabbat. And I, you know, I think you'll know that you're rising up against the tide and in life to do big things, you have to have courage and rise up when something doesn't feel right. And I'll tell you living 24 seven and being beholden and wanting to feed the machine and wanting to eat from the machine all the time, it doesn't feel good. And I'm sure anyone listening, if you really listen to your soul, you will be like, I should step away occasionally. And what I recommend is once a week, because you will return to yourself and you will think differently and for yourself because we're so influenced all the time by what's on that screen who you're following, what the news you're getting. And it is really important to learn how to be with yourself and not need to be entertained or distracted or numbed or connecting and connecting is wonderful, but you don't need to do it every second because you ultimately need to connect with yourself. And I worry about a society where everyone's attention is so scattered Mm. and hooked on things that don't have great intentions. Like, you know, Look at the next stressful news headlining. Stay on my channel. Stay on my channel. And that's, you know, I think people need to rise up and have courage to go off and do something different. Mm, yeah, that's powerful. I I love that. It's like swimming against the tide every day um, and remembering to do that every day because I think you can get so pulled in that sometimes you're, you don't even have the awareness that you're in that space, right? You're like, wait. Shore looks so far. <laughs> I don't even see it anymore. Um, yeah. Tiffany, what are some stories or examples of people who have done the 24-6 uh, practice and, you know, have implemented this and maybe changed their life in some way? Do you have any examples? Uh, I yeah. do. I mean, what's so exciting is people are on Instagram 
almost every day posting an image holding up my book and saying how much it's changed their life. So that, I mean, that's the beauty of social media. That's the push pull is like, as much as I love taking a break from it, I'm as an author, it's so incredible to hear from readers who I don't know who has changed their life and them posting about it. Um, but I just did a talk last week with this woman who read the book at the beginning of the pandemic and started implementing a tech Shabbat, which, you know, the pandemic made the screen use, you know, 10 X, right? So she's like, Oh my gosh, thank God I had my tech Shabbat during the pandemic because it just grounded me. And, and I felt like it did become that much more important when we had to rely on the screens for so many more things. So uh, there's a lot of mental health issues with the pandemic right now and, um, screen fatigue and, um, this kind of overall feeling of so many things. But I think that what a lot of people have written is that they get a break from all of that. And I know, I feel like I get a break from everything that's happening and I kind of refocus on what's happening right in front of me, which is usually pretty great if I can pay attention to it. Mm. How do you know you know, when you're in alignment or out of alignment. And I ask this because I want to know if you ever kind of intuitively know that you need more than just one day of unplugging or rewiring. Like, how does that, like, what's sort of the, the, the thing that comes up for you that tells you that, okay, I'm, I'm too far gone into the matrix. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because I, this Saturday, I just had an insight about something I was doing that was taking too much energy from me. And I, but I, I thought about it on my text. I usually, when those kind of insights come like, oh my gosh, I'm spending too much energy on that. And I, I need to, I'm, I'm working actually on a, uh, an original docuseries based on the book and I'm working on a lot of things right now, but I, I wasn't able to, I'm working on too many things. And it was one of those insights where I felt like I have to focus. And, um, but I had that insight on TechShabot. I think what you're asking is how do you know when you feel like you need a TechShabot? I mean, I feel that every week I need a TechShabot, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think everyone is kind of feeling we haven't had vacations in so long, or we haven't been able to make plans because of the pandemic. But I don't know. I feel like once a week is this perfect amount of time to think about those bigger things that it's like my appointment to check in with myself once a week to think about those bigger things. There's a lot of things I wait to think about until Saturday, like even with my husband, something we're wrestling with trying to figure out, I'm like, let's just talk about it on Saturday. Cause I know I don't have the space to think about it the other days or people send me articles that look really interesting and I print them out to read on Saturday. Cause I know I will read them with more attention and with more focus and a generous mind on Saturday versus the way we read the other days of the week where we're skim reading everything and we're not really paying attention to anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Reading headlines and then moving on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Tiffany, what kind of things have surprised you in this journey? Like what's kind of been the the biggest shock for you or, or something that's just been a surprise? Well, <laughs> literally the week before shutdown, I premiered a one-woman show at MoMA in New York called Dear Human, which dealt with all of these issues. And I call it Spoken Cinema, and I had been working really hard on it. And that was supposed to be the next two years of my career, was taking that show on tour. Like, it was going to premiere and kick off at MoMA, and then I was going to all these other places. And and I worked so hard on that show, and 
um, one would think, or I would have think, I would have been like disappointed <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> but so many other wonderful things happened that, you know, I think being adaptable is a really important quality and um, how easily kind of I adapted and we got a puppy and my family, my husband, and I both used to travel so much for work and just immediately clicked into this other way of life that was incredible and wonderful and a gift. And so I think what surprised me is how quickly we all conformed to this new reality and had a, an amazing year. Um, I mean, it was, there was definitely things that were hard, but overall I would say it was just what my family needed. It was the last year before our daughter goes to college and mm. it was like the universe stepped in and said, I'll be together. This is your last year where you're all be living in the same house. <laughs> so, uh, and then also just work wise again, like I was supposed to be doing this show and now, you know, the whole pandemic, I've been giving a lot of talks. I've been doing like a zoom hollow bake. I've been doing this baking show online, doing all and writing these newsletters, um, every one to two weeks about everything going on. And, and I just, uh, it was a really, but that was my insight. I was just telling you about this last Saturday where I need to focus in now. I was doing a lot of different things this last year, which were community building and soulful and wonderful. And now I want, I need to focus again because I do think I go through these periods where, you know, I built the Webby awards from scratch and then it became so big and I wanted to get back to filmmaking and I sold the Webbies and then I started a film studio and, um, you know, made films. And then I have such an activist gene in me. I started building these global days around the films so that they could really do further work. And then those days I did one called character day, did one called 50, 50 day about gender equity. And then those days got so big that I couldn't make movies anymore. And I remember, the specific points at each of those projects where I'm like, whoa, I'm, that has taken over my whole life. And now I need to get back to my first love or what I want to be doing. So those kind of moments usually come when I am, it used to be when I was on a plane, I used to have a lot of great ideas because I was 30,000 feet up from the sky, from the earth. And I loved looking out of airplanes and thinking things. <laughs> and I actually feel like on TechShabot, that's when I get 30,000 feet from my from whatever situation I'm in and I get perspective. So that was a super long answer, but <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, that's great. And I think um, for folks who might not know what the Webby awards are, because it's a, uh, there's a global audience. So do you want to just quickly tell them? What yeah. It it's is? like, yeah. yeah, like the Oscars of the internet and it's in its 23rd year now. And I, I founded wow. it and ran it for a decade. Um, it happens in New York every year and yeah. And I, I used to have equity in it. So I used to, you know, but then it literally in the last four months it was sold and it's kind of a thing where it's like having a child. Cause it was like this child that I nurtured and, and I was very, I am very proud of the nominees and the winners every year. Yeah. But it was a big chunk of my life. It was the first decade of my career. Mm, and you actually talked in your book about how, um, you were there obviously for the first award given to Sergi and Larry from Google <laughs> way back yeah, in the day. A lot of the early, yeah, a lot of the tech pioneers. I mean, being in the, you know, in my twenties in San Francisco in the nineties, and it was incredibly exciting. And it was before the web, it was like so much possibility and so exciting. So interesting, Tiffany, I could ask you about so many other topics. Uh, I mean, your whole film career is you know, an entire podcast in itself, but maybe you could just briefly tell us, um, what is, uh, one short film or uh, maybe even any other type of film that you have worked on, created, written, produced, directed, 
whatever, which, whichever, um, that you are most proud of and why? Mm. Hmm. <laughs> That's like asking which is my favorite baby, but, um, <laughs> okay. I have made like 33 films and only one feature, which is an 80 minute film. And that one I am very proud of. It's called Connected, an autoblogography about love, death, and technology. And um, that premiered at Sundance 2011, and I'm very proud of that film. It took a lot out of me, and it was really a lot of these ideas I'm talking about, but in a film form. Um, And people can watch it. I'm in your show notes. I can give you links to that. And another film I made a couple years ago that's been very relevant to today is called the adaptable mind. And it's just an 11 minute film, but it's kind of about like, what are the skills you need to flourish in the 21st century? And I talk about adaptability and empathy and cross-disciplinary thinking and, um, that film. Yeah, I love. And then I did a series called the future starts here, which, um, I had so much fun doing, that that's one of the reasons I want to do another series is I had probably the most fun creatively doing this um, original series about seven years ago. And I want to get back to doing that type of format. So awesome. Wow. Wow. Okay. And then we can learn more about your films. Your studio is called let it ripple.org. Okay. And I will, yeah. And if people go to Tiffany Schlain, dot com it has everything and there's no c in my last name so just s-h-l-a-i-n and um all my films and people can sign up for my newsletter and then i'm on all the socials like again i love i've been having so much fun playing with instagram reels have you played around with those um i've done some i've done a, a few but not much i it's i've been trying to stay away from social media but the last year i've do, i've done so much marketing that i have to get i have to i know it's such a it's a <laughs> It's the constant struggle of like, like to me, I look at it like creatively sketching because mm-hmm. my films take me a long time to make. And sometimes the length of that time is frustrating for me because I want to just like <laughs> create something. And so I'm looking at it as just like a sketch pad. Mm. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. Just yeah. my little Instagram. Yeah. I mean, just like you're like Adams, you know, like what's your way of sketching? Yeah. Um, and I think, Films take money, they take people, they take time. And sometimes I get impatient with that. And I just want to like burst out <laughs> an idea visually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, we, you and I, the way you think is very similar to the way I think. I, I love it. Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, I'm always yeah. just writing articles and, and throwing them on medium and not doing even any like real editing. I'm just like, this is what I think in real time. Here it goes. Oh, you'll have to send me a link to those. I'd love to check them out. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Tiffany, what do you want to tell folks as like your main takeaway on wellness, well-being, health, any, any of those topics or just what do you want to tell folks as like kind of your main takeaway in general? Mm. I just turned 50 this year and this is the best thing that I've learned. I mean, I think if you're interested in trying it, my book really kind of talks about the bigger picture, but also walks your, holds your hand on how to do it. But, um, you know, as you get older, you think, what have I learned that I can share? And this is it. And so I really hope that your listeners will think hard about how they feel 
and does it feel good to be online so much and and maybe just try it to see how they feel because I promise you it'll feel good and you'll feel like the most creative and I you know I I look at creativity like oh when do I feel most creative <laughs> it's always like <laughs> uh, trying to figure that alchemy out and that's one of the that's one of the parts of it mm, that's so beautiful I love that question when do I feel most creative I I heard this, mm-hmm. uh, this now that you, you mentioned that you like Rumi, Rumi had this, this quote that said, um, the morning breeze has secrets for you. Don't go back to sleep. And Ooh. <laughs> so I used, I, cause I used to wake up like very early in the morning and I would just go back to sleep. And then, you know, I don't know if this happens to you, but then I get even more tired, you know, after going back to sleep, I'm like, wow, right. I like short circuited yeah. something. And I noticed that if I just stay awake, even though if it's like five in the morning, I look, I remember hearing that quote and I was like, you know what? I think there's a reason why I'm up and I'm not like exhausted. So let me just, you know, figure out what creative thing is trying to emerge from me at this hour. Yeah. Mm. I love that. The, the I question, love that. The creativity yeah. question. Yeah. It's, I think we're all trying to find, to live more creative lives. So, yeah. So, uh, Tiffany, where can people, uh, find more about you? So the Tiffany com is the website. Um, obviously you're on social media. Is there any other place, anything else? Oh, and then obviously they could find the book on Amazon. Um, and I'm sure mm-hmm. some of the other platforms. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very findable. <laughs> yeah, and if you do try to text about, let me know how it goes. Like I do, and I have, I do do quite a few um, talks where I will help people troubleshoot. <laughs> so you can sign up for the newsletter, and I say when I do that. Oh, um, but yeah, I think I think everyone should try it. Okay. Awesome. So everyone, you can uh, find Tiffany online and let her know how your one day week off of tech is going, how you're feeling afterwards. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just a remarkable experience all around. So Tiffany, thank you so much for your time. This is such a lovely conversation. It was just so nice. Oh, it's so great talking to you. (laughs) Yeah. And to be continued. Yes. To be continued. And For our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about the power of unplugging one day a week with Tiffany Schlein, and you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Thanks again.